Please do sit. So today's reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. And that's found on page 273 of the Bibles. So it's 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons are to blasphemies against God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything from me, he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's wall, uh, words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Oh, the psalmist says, Lord God, the entrance of your word brings light. Uh, and Lord God, some of us gathering tonight, we 
we feel a darkness around us, sometimes within us. And as we hear the precious truths of the gospel again this evening, as we open your word together, please would you bring light into our darkness that we might see and trust and love the Lord Jesus and more than that, know of his love for us. Amen. Um, please sit down and take hold of a Bible again. If you find your way back to 1 Samuel in chapter 3, I think it's on page 273, uh, 274 uh, in your Bibles, and we're going to carry on uh, with our, our studies in this wonderful book. Um, now, you will know every good story has a context. Uh, without a body in the library, Miss Marple is just an old lady visiting a country house. Uh, no giant shark. Jaws is just three men in a boat. Uh, no Thanos. That's the bit in there for those who are younger. Uh, no Thanos. Uh, the Avengers is just one step away from a costume party, aren't they? Um, and so here we come to 1 Samuel 3, and, and you've got, well... You might know this. I was talking to somebody earlier who said it's one of those stories that comes up in the, the ladybook uh, Bible stories. You come across the story of 1 Samuel. There's a, there's a young boy in the tabernacle of God hearing him speak for the first time. And you might think it was interesting, uh, but what's the relevance for us? Uh, you, you know, in your life, generally speaking, you're not faced with a shark, are you? That's not going to be your, your problem this week. Uh, you're not faced with a shark, but our lives have context too. Uh, you, you listen to the commentators recently, and you hear, what, one of the things they're saying is, increasingly, people have got a certain disillusionment with life. They look at life, and it does begin to feel dark. It feels bleak in all sorts of ways, concerns about the climate. Uh, young people seem to be struggling with education. More and more of them seem to be saying, I can't even cope with going to school. Uh, or are we heading for a world war? I never thought I'd hear it, but the papers are filled with it all the time. I begin to look at my own sons. The eldest is 14 and think four years from now, he'll be 18. What will be going on in the world? All sorts of concerns going on. The world can feel dark. And then you come to 1 Samuel 3 and God gives you a little boy. Uh, sleeping in the tabernacle of God, and you think, what has that got to do uh, with anything to do with us? Can that help us? Well, look, that's where, that's where context matters. Uh, just as we have a look at this, uh, take note of the scenery surrounding the central activity, particularly if you were listening to, again, the audio and visuals uh, of this story. Did you spot those? In, in 1 Samuel, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, you'll have seen what's going on in Israel. Leadership's corrupt. Worship's compromised. There's the outward signs of religion, but God is functionally, he's being rejected left, right, and center. But something else is added here in this chapter. Do you notice it? Verse 1, just have a look at that with me. Uh, we're, we're told this, in those days... The word of the Lord was rare. It's worth noting that from God to people, there's, there's almost radio silence. That's the audio of this section. Note the visuals. Verse 2, one night. Verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. It is dark. Dark. 
And remember where we are. Do you remember during the Exodus, God rescued his people from Egypt. They, they were traveling in tents. They had tents as they went through the wilderness, and God said, my people are in tents. I'll have a tent as well. I'll come and make my, my home with them. Uh, and that tent was called the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. God would appear there, and at the center would be the Ark of the Covenant of God's law, uh, the legal commitment between God and his people. In 1 Samuel 3, we're at the tabernacle. It's in Shiloh now in the land. And here's the audio visuals of this section. What can you see as you come into 1 Samuel 3? Almost nothing. It's dark. What can you hear? Hardly anything. God is not speaking. And that's significant because by the end of this story, if you hadn't picked up when it was read for us, light will be streaming in and words will be flowing out. The darkness will be changed. And maybe that will have implications for us. If you're here tonight and in any way you feel the darkness is creeping into life, even into your own heart. So look, with that scenery in place, come and look at this chapter again with me. Here's the first thing, just to keep in mind. Look, without God's Word, the darkness is very dark. I'm sure I'm not for those of you who are dads in the room tonight, I'm sure I'm not the only dad who's continually grumping about lights being left on. Have you, you ever had to do that? If you're a dad, I think if planes flew over our house, they'd think it was landing lights. There's so many lights left on in the place. I, I almost believe my children are just deliberately provoking me, and I'm worried that they'll discover the oven has a light in it as well because they want to find ways to leave that one on too. Lights are meant to be turned off. Especially last thing at night. I mean, it's the last thing you should do. Just turn the lights off. So when you, you read verse 3 in this chapter, did you notice that? That bit where it says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Are we meant to think they've forgotten to turn it off? Are we meant to think, well, it's just the boys, Eli and Samuel. They're, they're still reading and they've not turned the light off yet. Not so much. This isn't that kind of light. This is part of the tabernacle furniture. And it stood outside the place where the ark of God's covenant was. The covenant that's been compromised, corrupted, broken. And we're told about this lamp in the book of Exodus. You can look back another time, but here it is up on the screen. We're, we're told about this. When, when God instituted this lamp for the first time, it, we're told this. Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamp burning before the Lord from evening till morning. It's not meant to go out. This is a lamp you're meant to keep burning, and it's, it's right there, just outside the place where God's Word is. You begin to understand the visuals. Keep this lamp burning. And you add into that, as we read in 1, uh, 1 Samuel 3, when we read God is rarely speaking, we're meant to understand these people are under judgment. So hearing the lamp of God had not yet gone out, grasp the visuals, God's people, that's what's going on here. Why else say the lamp had not yet gone out? The, the way it's written, it's almost as if it, it's about to. This lamp that's not meant to go out, it had not yet gone out. We're, we're being told something. God's people are on the edge of being in total 
darkness. And there's only a faint glimmer of hope left. That's 1 Samuel 3. What will God do? Will he give them what they deserve? Will he leave them to the dark? Just understand the weight of this, just as you, you, you think about it. Understand the weight of this. There, there are moments when our lives go through dark times. I imagine at the moment some of you feel that more than others, or it wouldn't take very much for you to remember very dark times. Hardship and heartache. Some of those dark times come at us without us doing anything. Maybe it's just things from the news, terrified about climate change, worried about the threat of war. Or other things like this, good friends of mine expecting their first child. A week before due date, their baby died. There is a level of darkness that is hard to imagine there. Some dark times, though, are self-inflicted, aren't they? We make choices. We do things that we wish we hadn't done. We say things. We, we set in motion a chain of events that we wish we hadn't, and that casts a shadow of guilt and regret. And if you can find your way into thinking about any of those, now understand this then in 1 Samuel 3, understand this, to find yourself in times like that and also to have reached a point where you have so ignored God, even He is no longer willing to speak to you. Can you imagine? You cry out to God and you discover there is no light from Him to give you direction. There is no light from Him to give you any hope. There is no light from Him to give you any comfort in your darkness. All you have is darkness and silence. We're on the edge of that here in 1 Samuel 3. The writer and God wants us to know without God's Word, the darkness is very dark. Can you imagine that, friends, to, to be in a place where, where God doesn't speak to you, when you face the tough things of life and He says nothing to you? It is easy, isn't it, to take God's Word for granted, to think somehow we, we have it as a right and not as a gift, that we can access it whenever we want, that we can pick and choose the bits of it that we like whenever we want to pick them up and say, oh, I like that bit or not that bit. It's tempting to think that way, that we can just say, well, well, of course we can. We, we've got the Bible in front of us because you never ignore that, do you? You never find yourself going cold towards it. Never, it never occurs to us that we actually, even to read the Bible, we rely on God's help to do that, and if He withdraws it from us, what would we have? Without God's Word, the darkness is very dark. Do you understand that? And if you do, if you can see that in this bit of 1 Samuel 3, you'll understand what's going on here. This isn't just a story about a nighttime meeting with God. 
if you read one of those ladybird books, it's not just about Samuel having this meeting. That's not what this is about. 1 Samuel 3 is nothing less than an intervention of God's grace. This is the gospel in action here. So look, here's the second thing, is we want to understand this. God graciously brings light through a prophet with integrity. Now, look how he does it. Three times, you know this story, I imagine. It is familiar. Three times he calls Samuel patiently and persistently. And when we hear in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. It's not a criticism of him here. It's, it's that he's not yet experienced hearing from God. It's Eli who eventually twigs. You spotted that and tells him what to do. And God calls a fourth time, patiently calling to him. Not telling him he's got it wrong, patiently calls to him, and this time Samuel responds, verse 10, it's speak for your servant is listening. And then God gives Samuel his first message to deliver. Yeah, what will it mean uh, for Samuel to be a prophet? Think about that. What does it mean to be a prophet? Why not take just a moment, Sunday evening, a bit tired, a bit sleepy, just chat with the people sitting beside you for a moment. What would you think? What will it take to be a prophet? What, what comes to mind when you think of a prophet? What do they have to do? Just take a minute, turn to somebody nearby and have a think. What, what will it mean for Samuel to be a prophet? What do you have to do? Just take a minute to do that. Uh, you maybe thought about some things. I can imagine, if we come back together, I can imagine you, you say things. I mean, what's at the heart of being a prophet? At one level, th this is what it will mean to be a prophet. A prophet needs to be someone who hears God's words, and a prophet has to be someone who will also speak God's words. And that is, that is absolutely true. It's, it's obvious. That's what prophets do. There are, though, certain truths. There are certain truths, isn't it? You can communicate them with lists and directions. You can explain it in certain ways. Truths can be communicated that way. But there's some truths, if you really want to understand them, you need to hear them in a story. And I think that's part of why God has given us uh, this story here. What, what will it mean for Samuel to be a prophet? What does it mean to be a prophet? This story will help us feel the weight of it. Do you think about some of the things that went on as we went through it? His first message as a prophet concerns Eli and the judgment that is coming. It's not a comfortable message. What will it mean for Samuel to be a prophet? Eli is obviously much older. He is the senior religious leader. He's been a mentor to Samuel. Twice in this chapter, in verse 6 and verse 16, Eli calls Samuel, my son. And I think we're meant to understand there's affection. There's affection between them. Can you imagine what it feels like to have to say these things to someone that you really care about? 
to bring these truths to them. No wonder we read in verse 15, Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. It'd be a strange person, wouldn't it? It'd be a strange person who didn't think twice about saying these kind of things. It'd be, it'd be a strange person who didn't feel the personal impact of what he's about to say to Eli, but he eventually does. And it's good for us to hear this. It's good for us to hear this. Here's a picture of the kind of prophet God wants for people. It is one who will speak the truth faithfully, even if it's uncomfortable, and yet at the same time is able to feel deeply the personal impact on others. You see those two things here? As God brings his word, there's truths that are uncomfortable, but it's not uncaring or unfeeling. And his prophet, his prophet will live that out. Samuel models that for us. God's word will come with the truth, but it, it's not without feeling or caring. Samuel models that, and the trajectory is set. He will be a prophet who brings God, God's light with integrity he will minister the truth of the Word of God while at the same time caring deeply for the people of God. That's what God's put in place for His people. And so on the morning when He opened the doors, as we're told, of the house of the Lord, physical light flowed in, but words started to flow out, bringing divine light to people. Do you see verse 20? Do you understand what's going on in this chapter? Verse 20, and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Here's the people who have been rejecting God, ignoring him, and what does God do? Does he turn the lights off? No, he says, I'm going to make the light shine for you. I'm going to make a way for you to hear my words. I'll put it before you. I'll send someone out with it. I want you to see the light and understand how to navigate through your, the darkness. It seems a funny thing, isn't it? In a really dark time, God gave his people a little boy to start with. A little boy who brought his word with integrity and care, and they can now hear it consistently. They're not in darkness anymore. Now, we're not Samuel. And we don't have prophets like him today. But do you ever think of God's word this way around? Do you, do you ever think about it? As you, as you think about the Bible, you think about coming to church, do you ever think about God's word this way around? Will I go to God's word to read it? Do I want to go to God's word? Do I want to give some time to God's word? Will I make the effort with it? Because as you read this, the Bible is showing us much more important than that is whether God will graciously bring his word to me. Don't ever think you're in the driving seat. You think, will you go to God's word? As if God is somehow desperate for you in a sense that, oh, he couldn't live without you. The, the question is not, will you go to God? The question is, will God bring his word to you? and shine light on your darkness. Do you ever pray that? God, 
please, will you help me to hear your words? Ah, oh, you think this way as well. I think this question, how, how will you know? How will you know if we're people experiencing the grace of God? We talk about God's grace a lot in all sorts of different ways. How will we know if we are people who are, who are experiencing the grace of God? This says one of the ways will be that as you face the darkness of life, and all of us have to face it in some way or another, as you face the darkness of this life, the things that come at us externally and the things that grow up within us, has he brought you to and kept you in the place where you're hearing God's word proclaimed with faithfulness and some level of concern for you. Now, you might think, as you hear that, if he has, if he has, then you are experiencing the grace of God. You might think, look, as, as we hear that, well, that's good for Samuel and Israel all those years ago, but what about me and my, my problems? And here's the last thing, just as we bring this into land, here's the last thing to say. Look, God, God's brought his light to you with even more grace and care. Verse seven is interesting. Just have a look at verse seven with me. We're, we're, told, we're told this, and let me read verse seven for us again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Interesting how those two things go together. Uh, how do you get to know God? You, you get to know him through his word. It's, it's almost as if you can't make a distinction between God and his word. If you really have the one, you really have the other. And if you feel like you've been walking in darkness in some way, if you get his word, it will bring light. Now, I think you hear that. If you ponder that, God in his word bringing light to you, if you hear that, it begins to sound like someone else. You remember the beginning of John's gospel? If you've got a Bible there in front of you, just turn over to the beginning of John's gospel. I think it's on page 1063 in our Bibles. The beginning of John's gospel, and just begin to hear this as we think about God being known through his word and bringing light Page 1063. If you got that verse one, let me just read some of these words for us. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. You can't make a distinction between God and his word. Look down at verse four. Speaking of this word, in him was life, and that life was, was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. I look down at verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. And you hear that and you think, what has God done for us? And the darkness that we face, he's given a little boy, hasn't he? He sent a little boy, and this one doesn't just bring the word of the Lord. This one is the word of the Lord, and he can bring you light and life forever. I think it's Andrew Peterson 
Christian singer who's got that Christmas song that has the line in it, sing out for joy. Sing out for joy for the brave little boy who is God, yet made himself nothing. The ultimate gracious intervention, the word of God, has been revealed to us. And we know his name. It is the Lord Jesus. So that's where I want to leave you this evening and ask the question, are you facing some kind of darkness at the moment? Is there something that feels like it's beginning to cloud in from the outside around you? Or even something that is just rising up in your own heart and it feels like it's casting a shadow over everything that's going on in life and how you think. Know this, friends. God is not about to snuff the light out. Even if it's things you've been doing that's wrong, instead, God has provided a light for you, and it is himself. In his own dear son, he is who you need. If you will listen to him, he will bring light to your darkness, show us how to live. He will always tell you the truth, and sometimes it will be uncomfortable, but he cares deeply for you. And we're going to sing of this God again. The musicians are going to come back up uh, to the front. And um, this closing song of praise has these words in it, lift your minds to the Lord our God. He will fulfill all your needs. Seek his wisdom. Attend his words. Follow wherever he leads. I'm going to lead us uh, just in a short prayer, and then we're going to stand and sing. Uh, Lord God, thank you for uh, this story for the, from the Old Testament, it is familiar in all sorts of ways. Little Samuel, we look at him and wonder what it would have been like. And thank you for the bigger truths in it. What it tells is not just about Samuel, but about you. You're not a God who delights to leave his people in darkness. And you showed, even in the Old Testament, you want to bring the light of your word, and you show us in the gospel of your son just how far you would go to bring light to our lives. Please help us to attend to him, to know him and trust him. We ask it in his precious name. Amen. Let's stand as the music begins.